Live is the official Get Me Back on Track week. That's right, I'm making it all about me. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Thursday, October 7th. Frank Sample joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sia Najad here to break down each game on the main slate. We're going to deep dive each one of those. We got our cheat sheet coming a little bit later on. Favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and our favorite stack play of the week. It's an interesting main slate. Only 12 games. Uh, there's a, a game that's being played in London, so that's why we only have 12 games on the main slate. And of course, we have no Rams, no Seahawks, no Bills, and no Chiefs. So we will have lower totals when we talk about it. See ya. How are we feeling about week five in a vacuum? Well, I hate that phrase, by the way, in a vacuum. People say it too much. Okay, <laughs> but that aside. Um, and no, no Lamar Jackson, which, you know, for me, I've been stacking Lamar with Marquise pretty much every week, and it's, you know, worked out other than in week three. So, yeah, I, I, I feel really good about this one. I'm really interested to see where we land at the end of the show because I think there's a lot of games, I and mean, you can look at totals, so there's a lot of games that are very stackable, but you know the, the target shares aren't exactly concentrated, and so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where we fall. Obviously, at the end of the show, we, we put out our favorite stacks and chalk plays and values and all that. So uh, I, I can't wait to because you know we haven't talked about what we like before the show other than the Tuesday show. So I'm really excited to see how this unfolds. Yeah, figuring out my favorite stack of the week was not that easy this week, uh, at least compared to the first four weeks of the season. Mike, there are no Chiefs, so I'm very interested to see uh, what kind of lineups you're going to be building this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no Chiefs. Uh, I may not even play. I don't know how to play if I can't stack the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, right? So, uh, no, it's a lot of... I love this slate, honestly. I like that it's not just the Chiefs being removed, but removing those Rams, removing the Seahawks, no Lamar, like as you guys have already mentioned, really makes it a fun slate. And uh, I think there's a lot of really great plays. And I have one very clear path to a lineup this week that I, I love it. All right. Very interested to see wh what that path is. Let's start with the Packers at the Bengals. The Packers are three-point favorites here on the road. 50.5 point total here. And all odds come via Caesar's Sportsbook. And on the injury front, Aaron Jones has been limited this week with an ankle injury. He is questionable. Uh, sounds like he's going to be all right to go. Cornerback Jair Alexander is expected to miss this game. On the Bengals side, Joe Mixon did not practice again on Thursday. Not looking good for him. T. Higgins returned as a limited participant, though he still remains questionable. Uh, looking at the Joe Mixon situation, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan said this on Thursday, that it will be a committee approach if Mixon does not play, uh, which means that touches will be split between Samaje Pirine and Chris Evans. See, uh, both of these running backs are minimum price on DraftKings. They are 4K. If we have a committee approach here, does that mean either one is in play? Do we just avoid both of them? What do you think? No, I think Pirine's in play because I think he'll get the lion's share of that split. It's not going to be a true split. Evans will probably you know, be in on the, on the passing work, which by the way, has value. But I think P. Ryan's going to be in there. If we're looking at snap shares, I'm looking at like 65, 35, almost as a worst case scenario for P. Ryan. So don't get me wrong. Uh, I've followed Samaj P. Ryan's career. He was with the Washington football team prior to this. He's not extremely talented. But then again, to run on the Green Bay Packers, you don't necessarily need to be extremely talented. So with all of that said, while I will be jamming Samaj P. Ryan in a lot of lineups, I really like the passing game here. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I have a feeling that this is Mike's game that, you know, when he talked about a path to a lineup, I have a feeling there's a lot of pieces from this game and it is going to be a popular stack. And, and honestly, it should be. All right. And let's figure that out. Uh, which which side are we stacking? Because honestly, I think both sides are stackable. If Mixon is out, then I know that the Bengals have wanted have limited Joe Burrow to this point. 
But I don't know that they will have that luxury uh, going up against the Green Bay Packers. This could turn out into a little bit of a shootout here. Uh, Joe Burrow is 6,100 on DraftKings and his main pass catchers, Jamar Chase is 5,800. Tyler Boyd is 5,300 and T Higgins is down at 5K. We have CJ Uzama at 3K as well on DraftKings. And then on the other side, Mike, I know that you mentioned this on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers, 7,100 on DraftKings. Devontae Adams, I believe will be fairly chalky here. He is the highest priced wide receiver on the slate at 8,200. Are you still looking at stacking the Packers side of things? If so, are you looking to bring it back with anyone? And what do you think about a potential Bengals stack, assuming that Joe Mixon can't go? Yeah, I love it. I think that this game is, is right. It's one of the core games for me this week. And there's three to four different ways that I'm interested in playing it. Number one, like in cash games, I will for sure have Devontae Adams in my lineup. He's easily a core play everywhere for me this week. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan will be in the cash game lineup as well as of right now, uh, barring any sort of late news that we get in some of the other backfields around the league. But as of right now, Samaj P. Ryan is for sure in there on the bring back on the Devontae Adams side. I can also make the argument for playing Robert Tunyon uh, at tight end. Tight end, we know we're not paying up for it. At least I'm not this week. There's no Travis Kelsey on the slate. Not paying up for Waller in this spot. So it makes a lot of sense to pay down. So if I'm looking at a stack, it's going to be something like Rodgers to Adams with Robert Tunyon in there. Samaj P. Ryan or T. Higgins on the other side or both. Uh, and then if you want to get a little more contrarian, you can play Tyler Boyd if you want to. I prefer Boyd over Chase in this matchup, but uh, that's where I would go with that. And then if the third and the least owned way to do this would probably be the Joe Burrow stack. And I think that that is fine. Uh, I think that if I was going to do that, I would totally fade Pirine, get a little different, pay for some mid-range running backs, and then run something like Burrow, Boyd, and Higgins, and then bring back with Devontae or bring back with Robert Tanyan. Uh, would be the way that I would stack that one up. But very stackable. Um, for sure going to have the two Pirine and Devontae Adams in cash games. And if you are looking at a Bengals stack and you just want the lowest projected owned wide receiver in this on that side, Jamar Chase uh, is that wide receiver. He is the highest priced at 5,800, but currently projecting at 6% ownership. See, any ancillary pieces on the Packers side of things that interest you? I know Mike mentioned... Robert Tunyon, who had seven targets last week. We have uh, Randall Cobb at 4K. He scored two touchdowns last week. Alan Lazard down at 3,700. Yeah, Randall Cobb's definitely in play. I think he's he's great value in what looks to be a shootout. This total's over 50 points. The implied total's for the Green Bay Packers around 27, 24 for Cincinnati. So you're getting a competitive back-and-forth game, and it looks like Cobb might be sort of the second best receiver or the second best target for Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not saying that that's how it's going to unfold you know, the next few weeks, but certainly he's in play. So um, Devontae, Randall Cobb, um, I, I like stacking it on both sides. The one thing I want to point out, I mean, we had the Jaguars in the Bengals last week, okay? And remember what the Jaguars did to the Bengals? It, what was it, Thursday night football? So th- I think they put up, what was it, 14 or 21 points just in the first half. So you got to think that Aaron Rodgers and company are walking in here thinking, man, w- we should be able to light these guys up. And, and I expect them to. And I think to Mike's point um, about maybe, you know, in a stack, especially on the Cincinnati side, fading Samaji Piran, it really could be a, a Joe Burrow and pick two of his receivers show on, on that side of the stack. So I, I agree, this is a great game to stack and there's so many different ways to do it. You can also use it as a secondary stack and grab like Devontae Adams in a, in a 
in a low-priced T. Higgins, for example, who, by the way, before he went out with injury, led the Bengals in targets. So let's not forget that. This is a very talented, big receiver that Burrow will probably lean on. Uh, this game, it, there's so many different variations you can go with. And so I'm glad you brought up Cobb because that's yet another guy you can throw in there. Yeah, T. Higgins scored a touchdown in each of the first two weeks that he played. He had a 27% target share in those games. I'm assuming that Aaron Jones will be good to go. But for some reason, if he is not, A.J. Dillon, I will just mention, 4,500. If he's the lone running back in this backfield, just an absolute smash play. So I Mm -hmm. will mention that. Lions at the Vikings. The Vikings are 9.5-point favorites with a 49-point total. Injuries here for the Lions. Their offensive lineman, Frank Ragnow, has been placed on IR. T.J. Hawkinson and Penny Sewell did not practice again on Thursday. Uh, They worked off to the side with trainers. Sewell seems to have been deemed uh, doubtful at this point. And Hawkinson is more like a questionable. And speaking of questionable for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook is questionable himself. He did not practice on Wednesday. I did not see a practice report on Thursday, but he is uh, dealing with that ankle injury, which he re-aggravated last week. If Dalvin Cook is out, Alexander Madison is a free square at 5,500. But what if Cook plays he could be limited and it's a great matchup here for the Vikings running backs we just saw David Montgomery and Damian Damian Williams combined for three touchdowns last week so Mike let's just say that Dalvin Cook does play do we mess around with this backfield at all if he does play we do not mess around with the backfield at all but Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson become one of my favorite tournament stacks of the entire week. Uh, I think that's going to be a massive, massive leverage spot for them. And the reason why is I just told you Devontae Adams, and we all know Devontae Adams is going to be super popular. But as we get throughout the show, you'll hear a couple other wide receiver names that I'm going to be playing that are in the similar price range that are going to really shut out the ownership on Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen this week. Now throw in the status of Cook, whether he's in or out. The focus will be on Madison. The focus will be on Cook if he is in. Uh, but I love Kirk Cousins' price point that's kind of middling, frankly, especially if we get that Trey Lance value. I think that's going to be one of my favorite tournament stacks this weekend. And Justin Jefferson currently projecting for 7% ownership. So anytime you can get him under 10%, I mean, you we know what his upside could be. He is the second highest priced wide receiver on the slate. Uh, obviously, um, on the other side of things here, we have DeAndre Swift, who is 6,100 on DraftKings. The Lions talking a lot about a hot hand approach right now at running back. We saw Jamal Williams get more involved last week. And for Swift, he's had two spike weeks. He's had two meh weeks, but he does have uh, he does have an 18% target share on the season, which is second among running backs. So Sia, what are you doing with this game? Are you looking to potentially stack the Vikings? And if so, are would you consider bringing it back with someone like uh, DeAndre Swift? He could see a lot of those targets and receptions on the other side. Man, we just can't shake Anthony Lynn. I mean, can you just put DeAndre Swift in for, for most of the snaps? Can you just do that for us? I mean, we'd really appreciate it. So, yeah, I like DeAndre Swift a lot. I do need to point out, though, I mean, you mentioned Penny Sewell and Ragnow. Like, these are two really good offensive linemen, and this was a good offensive line. But if those guys aren't in there, man, Goff is going to be running slash throwing for his life. And to, to, to the benefit of probably DeAndre Swift in a negative game script, I mean, I could see Swift, regardless of how many – carries or or pass attempts go to Jamal Williams. I can see DeAndre Swift having a huge game just just on the second half alone, just catching so many balls because Goff is going to need to get it out fast. And they're going to be trailing this entire game, especially if this, this offensive line is banged up. So I love Cousins um, to Jefferson or Cousins to Thielen. One thing I do worry about is if this game does get out of hand, 
Um, I, I honestly, let me say this. If Dalvin Cook is, quote, ready to play and he actually gets in there, don't forget, he played just last week, he played less than 50% of the snaps. If this game gets out of hand, they pull Dalvin. And this is a Madison game because why would you risk Dalvin with with kind of a, like a, a middling ankle? So this is one of those things if you're playing a lot of lineups and if Dalvin Cook is going to be the starter and, you know, air quotes, full go, man, I, I think you got to throw in a few lineups with Alexander Madison because especially in a bigger tournament, um, like the Millie Maker, for example, because it really could be an, a situation where Dalvin gets hurt early or they just hand it over to Madison because the Lions aren't going to be able to move the ball, especially without the offensive line if they're not playing. Yeah, good points there. And I will bring up the Vikings defense, too. They are 3K this week. Not that they've performed well, but uh, the Lions dealing with all those injuries to their offensive line could uh, open up some some big plays for the Vikings defense. Let's move on to the Titans at the Jaguars. This game has a 48.5 point total. And for some reason, I did not write down the spread for this game. But the Titans are 4.5 point favorites. And... In terms of injuries, we have Julio Jones and Nick Westbrook-Akini uh, did not practice, and A.J. Brown has been limited so far this week. For the Jaguars, we know that D.J. Chark is on IR. Now, take my hand, guys. Let's let's take a little bit of a stroll down Narrative Street here because this is a homecoming for Derrick Henry, something I did not realize, but he was born and raised in the Jacksonville area of Florida, and he also owns the Jaguars. He's gone for over 150 rushing yards and at least two touchdowns in three of his last five games against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He also has 31 or more touches in three straight games this year. He has two or more receptions in each game this year, and he is currently in the cash game lineup as of now. He is projecting for probably the highest ownership that I have seen on a single slate this year, at least based on your projections, Mike. 27% ownership for Derrick Henry. Uh, He's cash game viable for sure in my cash game lineup as of now, but... Man, I mean, this this ownership is is getting out of control. Yeah, and I think it could balloon up to 30% plus depending on what happens with some of these other uh, injury situations. Frankly, like if Dalvin Cook gets ruled out, like Cook was going to take, a, a, you know, a few of those ownership percentages it, just because of the way rosters are built. Madison comes in, uh, we get clearance on P. Ryan, some of these other situations, it could balloon to 30, 32, 33%. And that is just crazy. But so is his production so far against this team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to fade, at least in cash games and GPP. I mean, uh, I actually think this game has sneaky stack potential just in general. I mean, you could play Derrick Henry and then uh, you can also play Trevor Lawrence, who is 5,800. The Titans D has been awful this year. They just made Zach Wilson look good last week. And I think we get a pretty narrow target tree here for the Jaguars because there's no DJ Chark. Marvin Jones, we know what he's done all season long. Let us down in, in week four. But outside of that, he's been pretty good. He's 5,700. On DraftKings, LaVisca Chenault is coming off his best game of the year. Six catches for 99 yards. He's 4,800, and they're talking about getting him more involved consistently in the offense here. So, see, I, I kind of like this game. Sneaky stack potential. You could go Lawrence. You could go double stack with Lawrence, with Jones and Chenault, and you could bring it back with Derrick Henry. And if this game turns out to be competitive, those are the games where Derrick Henry absolutely goes off, and then we get a little bit of back and forth. What do you think? 
Yeah, if, if I'm rating my stacks, this is definitely in the top three or the top four. I, I like this one quite a bit. I love Trevor Lawrence's price, and I love the fact, I mean, it's unfortunate because it's a result of an injury to DJ Shark, but I love that it looks like the the target's going to be pretty concentrated among Marvin Jones, or between Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and I should add in James Robinson there. I think Dan Arnold is probably in play if you want to be contrarian with your tight end because you know, listen, he was on that team for three days and then Thursday night football happened and he still got a decent snap share. I think it was around 30%, 35%, whatever it was. Um, he looked pretty good when he was on the field. So I think he's going to be fully integrated. Don't forget they're on 10 days rest here. So, uh, you know, they've had 10 days, or I should say Trevor Lawrence and company have had 10 days to scheme for the Tennessee Titans. Urban Meyer, probably four to five days. Uh, but the, the point is, I, I love the Trevor Lawrence side. And, and if A.J. Brown is healthy, I, I kind of like the Ryan Tannehill side. But absolutely, if you want to play Derrick Henry, Trevor to, to LaVisca is fine. And you bring him back with Henry. That'll be the popular build. But if you want to be a little contrarian, I mean, Marvin Jones is sort of out of our consciousness because of recency bias. And he's priced so much higher than LaVisca. People just aren't going to play him, especially because he doesn't get the volume that LaVisca is projected to get. So I think he's a very interesting contrarian play in terms of getting different with this stack that might be at least a little popular. Yep, and see, you mentioned James Robinson there, and I currently have both Derrick Henry and James Robinson in the cash game lineup, and Robinson is 6K on DraftKings this week. He played 95% of the snaps last week. That was with Carlos Hyde inactive, so I want to pay attention and make sure that Carlos Hyde is inactive once again this week, but assuming he is, James Robinson is going to be on the field. He had 19 touches last week. He scored two touchdowns. He has a 13% target share on the season. Mike, what is your interest level on James Robinson this week at 6K? Uh, very high. It's going to be him or Alexander Madison or both, depending on what kind of news we get uh, on the injury front, but very interested there. This is one of those moves that I do with the Kansas City Chiefs that I'm going to recommend for the Jaguars this week. It's just an absolute poor man's version of Kansas City's offense mm-hmm. right now, but you can absolutely in a tournament stack up Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, and Dan Arnold. You can play all four of them right there in the same lineup. If you want to bring it back with Henry, you can. But this team should be trailing enough to the point where they are firing. The con- the targets should be very concentrated. Yes, you're leaving out Marvin Jones. But outside of that, we you just mentioned Robinson's workload. He's going to be involved in the passing game. Trevor Lawrence. If you remember that last game, if you guys follow me on the early edge, you know that I bet rather large on Trevor Lawrence rushing over in that game because it was talked about privately and publicly that he wants to run the football more. He's going to do that more. I think some of that also helps in part of the reason why Carlos Hyde was also inactive there. I like that stack a lot, and I do think you can, just like you've seen me do it with Mahomes, Edwards, Hilaire, Travis Kelsey, you can definitely get away with doing that here with all four of the Jaguars. The prices are right, uh, and you can get some really fun builds because this should be a very competitive game despite the narrative that the Jaguars are terrible. Uh, if you don't think so, you should absolutely be betting the Titans minus four because the spread is four points. It is not one of the seven to 10 point spreads that you're seeing. Uh, it is a minus four spread. So this game should be a lot more competitive than you think. Last point that you mentioned on Trevor Lawrence, uh, 21 or more rushing yards in three straight games. He did score a rushing touchdown last week and had a season high 36 rushing yards. I'll just throw the name out there as well. I think we have a lot of cheap tight ends this week. You guys mentioned Dan Arnold. We'll talk about Ricky Seals-Jones a little bit later on. Anthony Ferkser is 3,100. He was on the field a ton last week. He ran a bunch of routes as well. And obviously the Titans are dealing with injuries to their pass catchers. And, and let me point out one other thing. 
thing because, yep. and I think this is sort of implied in the whole narrative of stacking this game, but just reminder, the Jets scored 27 points on this Titans defense. So Jacksonville is a more competent offense. Like, And, and, and that's why their implied point total is, is 22.25 versus Tennessee's, which is 26.75. But honestly, wouldn't shock me at all, at all if Jacksonville exceeds that implied point total. Let's stick around in Florida and go to the Dolphins at the Bucks. Tampa Bay, 10-point favorites here with a 48-point total. And for the Dolphins, Will Fuller has been placed on IR. Devontae Parker has been limited at practice to start the week. And for Tampa Bay, their safety, Antoine Winfield, is doubtful. Gronk did not practice, and Giovanni Bernard has been limited. All eyes here on Leonard Fournette. 5,200 on DraftKings. He is 6,400 over on FanDuel. He played 82% of the snaps last week with 23 touches that included three receptions. The Dolphins are allowing the third most rushing yards per game to running backs. They've also allowed five touchdowns to the position. Fournette, like Derrick Henry, like James Robinson, definitely in consideration for cash game lineups as of now. Mike, I know that we touted Fournette a couple of weeks ago, let us down, uh, but it seems like the usage in the matchup is just a perfect spot here based on that salary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, fortunately, in the last one, I think it was the the Madison week that got me not to 100% exposure <laughs> late on him, which was a, a huge blessing. Now I think it's going to be those two guys are going to be relevant again this week. However, this time I am still interested in Leonard Fournette. Uh, it's going to be there's, there's just simply too many running backs, which is frankly why I will not be playing Derrick Henry. Um, as of right now, it looks like just because you've got Fournette, you've got P. Ryan, you've got James Robinson, Madison, like there's just too many value running backs. Um, so long story short, Fournette is in the player pool, uh, around 30% of lineups currently. And that number could balloon to 50% depending on what happens with some of the other pieces. But outside of that, I don't have any interest in anyone on the Tampa Bay side other than obviously you can stack them in a tournament any given week. Um, and then on the other side, Jalen Waddle is probably the only piece of this game that I'd have interest in. Yeah, see, I like this game as a secondary stack. So whether it's playing Leonard Fournette with maybe Jalen Waddle on the other side, Waddle's 4,800. He's got a 21% target share on the season. There's no Will Fuller in this game. Uh, or doing it with Mike Gusecki, who's 4,200. He has a 20% target share over the last three weeks. Or even if you wanted to uh, create some leverage here and maybe fade Leonard Fournette, you could go with Antonio Brown and a Jalen Waddle secondary stack, something like that. So those are a few of the secondary players in this game that I'm looking at. I, lo I love it as a secondary stack. Uh, I also like it as just a primary stack because, again, I, I've I'm been I've been living this season with the narrative that Tom Brady's going for the MVP, and it's pretty. Other than last week, which was a really kind of a tough matchup for Brady, if we're being honest, I, I think we've sort of seen that with the manner in which he's throwing the ball game to game. And I don't think this game's going to be any different. I think he's going to coast. I think he's going to throw the ball for a majority of the game. I don't, you know, I'm not saying his pass attempts are going to be out of control, but by the way, his prop for total yards is 310 yards, 310.5 yards. That's a lot. And there's going to be a lot of touchdowns that are going to be mixed in with that. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Brady, again, and I've said this before, if he goes for four touchdowns, because this is a very beatable team. They do have good corners and you can run on them, but it's Tom Brady. He can, he's going to be able to kind of do whatever he wants. So as a primary stack, I'm going to have some with Tom Brady, probably with Godwin and Antonio Brown, or maybe Godwin and Cameron Brait. I'll, I'll kind of mix it up there. And to your point and Mike's point, I'll bring it back with Jalen Waddle. They're going to be in trail position almost the entire game. Waddle's going to suck up a ton of target. His average depth of, of target is, is pretty, pretty low end, which is actually going to be good for him piling up the PPR points. And we know he can, 
he on this on this secondary, Jalen Waddle can get loose pretty easily. I, the only other guy I'd throw in there is Mike Gesecki because he's been getting a ton of targets, and the Bucks have not been good against the tight end position. The Eagles at the Panthers. The Panthers are three-point favorites here with a 45-point total. And on the injury front for the Eagles, offensive lineman uh, Lane Johnson did not practice again on Thursday. He's dealing with a personal issue. Jordan Mailata is another one of their offensive linemen. He's back at practice, so good to see that. Quez Watkins has been limited. One of the biggest injury news items that we had come through on Thursday, it's Christian McCaffrey, which kind of flips this slate on its head because we didn't mention him at all on Tuesday. He has now practiced two days in a row and he said that he quote, definitely has a chance to return for Sunday's game against the Eagles. So if CMC is good to go, he's 8,700 on DraftKings. He is 10 K on FanDuel. He is the second highest price running back on both sites. Mike, how do we handle this, this CMC situation? Because people are going to have to decide CMC or Derrick Henry. Do you find a way to play both, jam them both in your lineup, which seems pretty impossible. What do you think? Uh, I'm excited about it personally, just because he will obviously take some ownership. And I don't think it's enough to persuade me to go that direction with my builds. Uh, so I'm clearly going to be paying for wide receivers. So I think it's just going to take some of the ownership away and give me even more leverage. So I'm excited about it. I would not be playing him if he is active. Uh, I think that even if he is active, they're going to be more cautious with him this time around uh, because they certainly are a good team right now and they cannot afford to lose him for like extended extended periods of time. So I don't think they're going to be ultra aggressive with him despite his, you know, the narrative behind it is that he's ready to go. So I, I wouldn't be playing him. I think that my favorite piece here is DJ Moore. And I think it would also drop DJ Moore's ownership just a little bit, uh, rightfully so, because it should take a few targets away from DJ Moore. Um, however, I, I'm very high on DJ Moore. I have him as the number two wide receiver this week, right behind Devontae Adams, and the gap isn't that large. Um, I DJ Moore is one of those guys I was talking about. He will be in pretty much every single lineup, depending on what happens with McCaffrey and depending on what news we get out of that camp. But I'm in the camp that he probably still doesn't play or is severely limited if he does play. Yeah, and the smart thing to do, as we just saw with Dalvin Cook, is... Leave McCaffrey out for another week. I mean, the Panthers are playing good ball right now. Obviously, I understand that they they want to continue to, to win and they, they want to get McCaffrey back on the field, but the prudent move is to let's sit him out another week, get him completely healthy, don't rush him back until he is 100% healthy. Uh, personally, I'm not looking to stack this game, but there are a few one-off plays. I mean, Mike just mentioned DJ Moore. He's 7,500. He is the wide receiver for overall this season, and he's eighth in the NFL in target share. And the other one is Jalen Hurts. Mention him every single week. He's up to 7K. He has at least 21.8 DraftKings points and 35 rushing yards in each game this season. Trey Lance is the cash game quarterback for me as of now. But if for some wacky reason Jimmy Garoppolo decides to play, then Jalen Hurts would be uh, my cash game quarterback. So, see what do you think about this entire game? Eagles-Panthers. So I think this is a sneaky stack situation. I, I know the total is low at 45, but I'm definitely going to have some stacks with Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, who, by the way, leads in target share and is top 10 in, in air yards, and bring it back with DJ Moore. Just a very simple stack. Um, I, I think you can expose this Carolina defense a little bit. E even a Jalen Hurts can expose this Carolina defense a little bit. Don't forget, they do have an injury, a big injury to Horn in, in, in the back end of that defense. And I just, I kind of trust the connection between Hurts and Devontae. So I think... At the prices we're seeing, it, I think 
it wouldn't be cost prohibitive to stack Jalen Hurts with Devontae, bring it back with DJ Moore, and still have a good amount left over to do whatever you want. Especially with though that mid-tier running back range, that value that will, you know, Leonard Fournette and, and Damian Williams and, and James Robinson, you could definitely um, create a, a lineup stacking that game if you would like to let's move on to the saints at the washington football team the saints are two point favorites here on the road 43 and a half point total tony jones has been placed on ir for the saints and for washington logan thomas was placed on ir curtis samuel cam sims diami brown all did not practice on thursday antonio gibson was limited so i posed the question on tuesday's podcast was there some kind of typo in the pricing for Curtis Samuel? Well, maybe they just uh, realized that he's probably not going to play this week because he did not did not practice again on Thursday. Terry McLaurin is up to 7,400 on DraftKings. There's a chance that this guy sees, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 targets given all the injuries for their pass catchers. And then no Logan Thomas means that Ricky Seals-Jones will be a popular, very popular t- uh, punt tight end this week. He is minimum price on DK Played 93% of the snaps last week. He ran 41 routes on 42, uh, 31 routes on 42 Taylor Heineke dropbacks. See, I'll start with you. You get your Washington football team here. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones and Terry McLaurin, what are we thinking with those two? So McLaurin, I mean, listen, it's it's hard to really trust anybody in this game just because of the low total uh, and what the game script is probably going to be like. I think if you want to play McLaurin, that's fine, but 7,400 on this slate it's pretty tough when you're looking at a 43 and a half uh, point total. Uh, with that said, you know, listen, I, I like Curtis Samuel if he plays. Uh, I don't like Ricky Seals Jones if Curtis Samuel plays because I understand they're different positions, but I think Curtis Samuel will get some of the targets that you might think uh, Ricky Seals Jones will get. So we have to monitor the Curtis Samuel situation. He didn't practice today, but honestly, and I don't think he practiced yesterday either. That might be consistent with them just resting the growing. I, I think we we really need to dial in tomorrow to see what they say about uh, Curtis Samuel in this practice situation. I have a feeling he's going to play. If that's the case, uh, yeah, 3K, I love it. And then I would be fading Ricky Seals-Jones if Curtis Samuel's playing. Other, other than that, I don't love this game. I think, I think if you wanted to be contrarian and take a shot at Kamara, uh, that totally makes sense to me. I might have a lineup or two that just throws Kamara in there because I don't think he'll be popular. And he's certainly, if they just kind of focus on getting him some receptions with the rush attempts that he's getting, uh, he could absolutely be big time against this Washington defense. Mike, what do you think about Alvin Kamara? 8,600 coming off his first career game with zero targets. Perhaps the Saints put an emphasis on that week, uh, on that this week, in order to, um, you know, get him back on track here. I, I think he's a solid GPP target, but it is tough to pay up for him considering CMC and Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, it's really tough to get there. Uh, you know, if you're playing less than 20 lineups, I don't see many paths to getting there. Uh, if you're playing 150 lineups, which I am not, um, you know, I, I so I won't be playing it. But if you're playing 150, it's obviously got the skill set to get you there. But for me, this game is really pretty simple, and I think Sia really nailed it. Uh, it's Curtis Samuel. I think he still has a legitimate chance to play. I think they're literally just letting him rest. Uh, I would take me off of Ricky Seals-Jones if he was active. It would put him firmly in my player pool, and then his actual usage would depend on what shapes out with all the running backs that we've already talked about. Um, But he could be in that flex for me at 3K. And that's really all I have on this game. I don't think that I really... There's no chance I would play either one of the quarterbacks. Um, I'm not playing any of the running backs for the Washington football team. McLaurin, you could make the argument that he's fine in a tournament as a one-off and and maybe perhaps a good leverage play. Um, 
I think there are enough wide receivers at the high end that are in really good spots this week that I don't think it's a huge, huge leverage play. Um, what I would be most interested in there was if it was like Devonte and then bust, then way more interested. Right. But I, I think there is a lot of depth at the mid to upper range at wide receiver that I don't think based on the game script and what the, their ability and the team they're playing that I don't think you're gaining much by playing them this week. I will just throw out the Washington football team uh, defense here. They are 2,300 on DraftKings. They have not performed to this point. There's no doubt about that. But Jameis Winston is still Jameis Winston, so he could be due for uh, one or two turnovers here in this spot. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that our Fantasy Football Today DFS contest is live on DraftKings, 150 entries, $5 per entry, the top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you'd like to join and play against Sia, Mike, and myself. We'll take a quick break. When we return, we've got two games with totals under 40. Yikes. Next, Fantasy Football Today DFS. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's start with the Patriots at the Texans. The Patriots are nine-point favorites with a 39.5 point total here. And for the Pats, four of their five starting offensive linemen are either hurt or dealing with COVID. So, could be a rough situation for them. And then on the Texan side, Rex Burkhead, revenge game, expected to miss this game. Uh, poor poor Rex Burkhead. Uh, Damian Harris, he is 5,500. He played a season-high 61% of the snaps last week without James White, and Houston is allowing five yards per carry to running backs this season. Uh, Jacoby Myers is playing very well, but the price is starting to get up there. He's 5,600. And then uh, we do have a revenge game narrative with Brandon Cooks, but look, if you want to trust a Davis Mills pass catcher going up against a Bill Belichick-led defense, then that is good for you. You can try it out. Mm-hmm. I will not be doing that myself. Uh, Mike, what do you think about this game? Uh, I'm going to use this opportunity to crack a liquid death because I really don't have a lot <laughs> to say about this game. Um, I do not have any interest. Brandon Cooks, it is a tough spot. His workload this year, it's been legitimate. And he's a fine play if you want to jam him in and just get different for the sake of getting different. Um However, it's not a showdown slate. It's not a short slate. It is a full slate. So I have zero interest. And this game has already been X'd out of my player pool. It is not possible for me to play anyone from this game because I've literally excluded the game from the lineup builder. All right. See ya. What do you think? Similar thoughts. Uh, You know, as much as I want to maybe make an argument for Damian Harris or maybe just a sneaky Brandon Bolden play, it's just not there. There are so many contrarian plays you can make 
that are going to have way different game script uh, totals that are you know 10 to 11 to 12 points higher um way more opportunity this this is just one of those few games where it's just not worth considering all right, let's move on to the Broncos at the Steelers. This is currently a pick'em with a 39 and a half point total. Teddy Bridgewater did return to practice on Thursday. Melvin Gordon has been limited so far this week for the Steelers. The status of Ben Roethlisberger is still up in the air. Uh, he's dealing with hip and pectoral injuries. Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool have been limited so far in practice this week. The biggest name here is Najee Harris. He is 6,900 on DraftKings. He has 25 receptions over his last three games. He's played 93% of the snaps on the season. Mike, I know that you like Najee Harris, likely because of this workload, but I remain a little hesitant. I think his upside might be capped just based on how low the total is in this game. What do you think? The upside could be capped. So I think that you're going to need the right scenario for it to work. And what I mean by that is you're going to need one of like Dalvin Cook to be ruled out to where we're getting a lot of concentrated ownership on Madison. Then you can have some leverage there. If if Madison doesn't have the big game, it becomes the Kirk Cousins game. You can get some leverage there in tournaments because that will absolutely eat into the ownership of Najee Harris. Um I like McCaffrey playing, for example, would help a ton. If McCaffrey plays and Dalvin Cook doesn't, all of a sudden you've got McCaffrey as an option. We know Derrick Henry is going to take a lot of the ownership. Like, I'm very interested in those scenarios. But as of right now, I'm less interested than I was just because of the way the lineups are being built with, with the value plays that we have currently. Uh, but the upside, I think, is there. Um, he wasn't involved in the passing game early last week. It all came very late. I would expect that to be a little more evenly distributed and a few more targets again this week. Um, so I think the floor is incredibly high. And then as far as his upside, it's really just going to come down to is the projected ownership low enough on him and it's higher on a guy that's, again, within $1,000 to $1,500 to where you can really create some leverage and different roster construction. Then it's going to be a scenario where you can feel comfortable deploying him. But as of right now, I think it's... Probably if you're playing 20 plus lineups, it's fine to get him in there, but certainly not in your top two to three lineups uh, on DraftKings anyway. Michael, let me just follow up there. Let, let's just say Ben Roethlisberger is ruled out for this game. Does that help or hurt Najee Harris's case? I honestly don't know at this point because Ben is like cooked. Yeah. Um, I would say it's probably neutral. Um, what he might miss in a few really quick dump offs that are plays that Ben has just experienced already this year and he's just going to be fine dumping it off. You might lose out on that, but what you lose out on that by bringing the additional quarterback in is he probably picks up three extra carries in the game. Um, so I, I think it's probably a pretty neutral situation depending on no, no matter who the quarterback is. See anything else in this game? Uh, Deontay Johnson, I will mention, he's performed very well this year. He's 6,500 on DraftKings, 32% target share. He has at least 14.6 DraftKings points in the three games that he's played. The problem for me is that he is the same price as Keenan Allen. Talk about him in a little bit. And then uh, Noah Fent is coming off a big game. Scored a touchdown last week, 10 targets, but his price is on the rise as well. 4,900. What do we think? 
Yeah, it's a no to Noah fan, but I think Deontay Johnson and Cortland Sutton are, are both kind of interesting. This is a really low total, but we know Deontay Johnson has a very safe floor. Uh, again, outside of an injury, Deontay Johnson is going to get peppered with targets and he's going to catch most of them. So he's probably my favorite player in this game. I might have a couple shares. I think 6,500 is reasonable, even in this 39 and a half point total. And Cortland Sutton at 5,500, we know he has like a, a explosive playability. It's at Pittsburgh. This is a tough game for them, but I think you could gamble there and be fine at 5,500. I won't have a lot of shares of either of those two guys, but I do like them. By the way, I can't help but look at these lines. I think Pittsburgh at one and three is desperate. I think they win this game. Denver's favored by half a point. And I got to point out, I like the Eagles plus three and a half at Carolina. Sorry, I know this is a DFS show, but I just I couldn't let that go without me saying something. No, no, dude, it's perfectly fine. If, if anything pops up throughout the course of... Uh, the show or throughout the course of the week that you want to mention, feel free. I mean, there's a lot of crossover, obviously, here uh, between betting and DFS. We have two games at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and then we have two at 425 Eastern time. Let's start with the Browns at the Chargers. The Chargers are two-point favorites with a 47-point total. And for Cleveland, their cornerback, Greg Newsom has already been ruled out again this week. And for the Chargers, Justin Jackson has been limited in practice. Safety, Derwin James, is questionable. I think that there are a lot of viable players. Obviously, there's a lot of talented players in this game between the Chargers and the Browns, but Keenan Allen is one that just stands out for me. I think he's too cheap. He's 6500 He's $700 less than Mike Williams, and he leads a team in target share. He leads a team in red zone targets. As of now, he is in the cash game lineup. Mike, what do you think about Keenan Allen or um, Mike Williams? We know that he could go off any week, so like as a GPP pivot, 3% ownership projected right now. I, I, it's perfectly fine. But Keenan Allen, for me, is in the cash game lineup. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, he's not in my cash game lineup, not really in the consideration, but I totally get it. Uh, I think he's a better tournament play. And how I would use him is I would probably run a little game stack with one of the Cleveland running backs. Um, I, I think that Nick Chubb's going to run all over the place. I think that Kareem Hunt's going to be involved. I think that we've seen this a lot with the Chargers games this year is yards between the 20s, they happen, and they happen frequently. Uh, but the punching the ball in the end zone is a little bit of a different story. But I think these two running backs are going to put up some yards. So if I wanted to play Keenan Allen, which, again, he is a fine play, pretty much any slate, not a lot of attention on him here. Um, however, for him to rack up the yardage and like really have that ceiling game and not that that not necessarily that floor game, but that median game, his median game is fine to get him in a cash game, but for him to have the, like the ceiling game that he needs to like really go win you a tournament. I think the only way that he has that is if the Browns are having a lot of success. And I think the only way the Browns have a lot of success is through those two running backs. Yeah. I'm actually with you here with, um, with Nick Chubb, who is projecting at 2% ownership. And uh, I think people are kind of scared off of what Kareem Hunt has done so far this year. And uh, Nick Chubb is down to 6,700 on DraftKings. See, what do you think about the running backs in this game? I feel like Austin Eckler is always in play just because of his pass game usage, his role in the red zone. He has at least 22 DK points in three straight games. But there are other running backs that we either want to pay up for or we want to pay down for. So he's kind of in this like gray area this week. What do you think about the running backs in this game? I love Eckler. Um, I just, I love his passing and running prowess. Uh, I think he'll do fine against Cleveland, but, but I got to reiterate what Mike said. I, this might be the Nick Chubb game. So I know you, you, whether you listen to our podcast or other ones, you know, always when you get to a Browns game, somebody will say, uh, it's, it's, this is Nick Chubb's week. And, and we've sort of been, you know, whoever has said that has been kind of wrong at, because Kareem Hunt has just taken so many targets, but 
The one way to expose this Chargers team is through the running game, which is why Nick Chubb's receiving and um, rushing prop is 97 and a half yards, which, by the way, is the same exact number as Austin Eckler. So that should give you an idea of how the sports book sports books think now. Now, Nick Chubb will do it differently than Austin Eckler, but that should give you an idea of how sports books think Nick Chubb will do in this game. So for me in this game, this this game is. Either I'm going to stack it, maybe a secondary stack, but I think Nick Chubb is going to make it into a decent amount of my lineups. However, if you buy into the game script that the Chargers will operate with a lead here, I love the stack of Justin Herbert with Austin Eckler. Maybe you add in a Keenan Allen or Jared Cook and you run it back with Kareem Hunt because of that game script. So one game script is they're just running the ball. The Cleveland's running the ball super effectively and efficiently. And it's just Nick Chubb all day running all over him, which absolutely that should be the game plan. But if the Chargers take a lead, I like a Chargers stack with a Kareem Hunt run back. Which is definitely possible the way that the Chargers are playing uh, so far this season. They've they've played incredibly well. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I will point out, mentioned this on Tuesday. He was 6K last week, and he went out and had a, another pretty good game. He scored a touchdown, 16.6 DraftKings points, uh, and his price is lower this week. It's 5,800. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a viable stack if you uh, want some exposure to this game. The Bears at the Raiders. The Raiders are 5.5-point favorites with a 44-point total. David Montgomery is out for at least the next couple of weeks. Darnell Mooney has been limited so far with a groin injury in practice. For the Raiders, Josh Jacobs is limited with that ankle injury. Peyton Barber is dealing with a mild case of turf toe. We mentioned a lot of mid-tier value at running back. Damian Williams is one of those. He is 5,600, and it seems like he will fill in for... David Montgomery, what Montgomery was doing basically, which is 70% of the snaps. He was coming off a game where he just had 23 touches. He scored two touchdowns. And we know that Damian Williams is a capable pass catcher in a good matchup against the Raiders who have given up six total touchdowns to running backs this season. So, uh, Mike, where does Damian rank among, I guess, that mid-tier, right? So, like, James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, uh, and, and I guess Damian Williams, right? They're all between five and six K. How would you rank those three? Uh, I would rank Robinson first right now, uh, then Leonard Fournette, then Damian Williams. But I think you could easily make the argument that Madison is ahead of Williams even right now, or they're very similar. So if you know, for example, say say we think that Damian Williams is going to take 15 plus percent ownership. I, in a tournament, would be more than okay playing Madison, even with Cook in, because we know that Madison would be single digits. And I think half a game of Madison is about equal to this game in particular for Damian Williams, if I'm being honest, especially when you factor in the leverage that you would gain in a tournament. So as of right now, I have him third. Uh, Madison becomes a clear number one in that group if Dalvin Cook is ruled out. But as of right now, Damian Williams is a clear third. Third, although I might be backtracking that statement because Samaji Pirine and the discount at 4K, uh, I'm going to have, I'm looking at it now, I have Pirine actually slightly ahead. So it would be Robinson, Fournette, Pirine, then Williams with the little caveat that Madison is at Williams level right now. And then Madison becomes a very clear one if Cook is out. Justin Fields has been named the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Everyone's talking about Trey Lance and rightfully so, but... See, any thought to Justin Fields at just 5,200? I mean, it could burn me, but not really. I mean, the one thing about the Vegas Raiders is that they can create pressure. And it kind of reminds me of what Cleveland did to Justin Fields. And I think it's not going to be that bad, but I think that's kind of in play here where, you know, the one way you can hit the Raiders defense is, is downfield against their secondary 
And I don't know that Justin Fields is going to be able to do that. So Max Crosby and company, I think, are going to be able to create the type of pressure that's just going to have Justin Fields, you know, not really knowing what to do. And, and so I, I'm kind of down on Justin. I'm very down on Justin Fields and I'm kind of down on Damian Williams. I totally get the Damian Williams thing. Um, I just don't know what his ceiling is. And in that range at 5,600, I like a lot of other guys from a ceiling standpoint. So uh, no to Justin Fields, no to Damian Williams. What do we think about the pass catchers here? Anyone that catches our eye, there's obviously Darren Waller. He's the highest priced tight end on the slate. Allen Robinson is all the way down to 5,500. I think Hunter Renfro is like a pretty safe floor wide receiver. He's only 4,900. He has at least six targets and five reception receptions in each game this season. Mike, do you like any of these pass catchers? I do, but you didn't mention the one that I like. The all one right. that I like is Henry Ruggs. Uh, we're watching the Henry Ruggs show. Uh, it's coming out. He is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL in terms of intended air yards so far this season. Um, guys that he rates similar to Devontae Adams, Cortland Sutton, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, uh, Chase Claypool. He has the same number of intended air yards as all of these players. We know how electric he is once he actually catches the football. So he's someone I've been betting is over yardage props pretty consistently because he has the ability to hit them in one play. Uh, I think that he's almost always going to be a legitimate tournament play until he is routinely $6,500. And he will get there, in my opinion. He's that talented of a player. Um, he just needs to continue to catch the ball when it is thrown his way, and he's going to develop a lot of chemistry with Derek Carr. So I think Henry Ruggs is the only pass catcher that I personally would have interested in this game. And still having said that, it's only going to be if you're playing, you know, Double-digit lineups. All right. The best for last. Or maybe not. The Giants at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites with a 52-point total here. This is the highest total on the main slate. And it's been a tough game for me to figure out because uh, I just mentioned what the total is. And um, I find myself routinely ignoring this game. And I, I don't really know why. But let's talk about it. The injuries here for the Giants. Kenny Galladay back to full practice. Their offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas, and defensive lineman, Leonard Williams, have been limited. Sterling Shepard and D Darius Slayton were both in uniform on Thursday, though they did not practice. They worked off to the side with trainers. For the Cowboys, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott were limited on Thursday. The reason why this game is so tough for me to figure out is because the Cowboys are kind of tough to figure out right now. Their passing game, Dak Prescott has 27 pass attempts or less in three straight. I like the price points for CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper at 6,200 and 6,100 respectively, but I think if I'm looking at anyone in this game, it's the running backs. I think we get a lot of running on both sides. Ezekiel Elliott is 7K. He's been balling out three straight games. Saquon Barkley, probably my favorite play in this game. He's 7,300, which, in my opinion, is too cheap for the role that he has in this offense right now on the field a ton, catching passes again. So, I don't know, See, What do you think about this game? It's been a tough one for me to figure out. We, we, we warned everybody last week that the 58 pass attempts that Dak Prescott had against the Chargers week one, that wasn't going to be the norm because Dallas would prefer to be a running team as evidenced by the last three weeks. And I see more of the same here in a positive game script for Dallas. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, of course you could stack, you could stack Dak with like CD lamb and Dalton Schultz and bring it back with one of the receivers. You know, the receiver position for the giants is a little up in the air because of injuries, obviously. So if certain people are out, you know, guys like Kadarius Tony, maybe even John Ross, maybe come into play. Evan Ingram, of course, maybe come into play. But 
I, I don't love stacking this game. If I was going to stack it, I, I might go contrarian because of that negative game script and do Daniel Jones with a very cheap pass catcher and bring it back with either CeeDee Lamb or Ezekiel Elliott. But again, I don't know how to figure this particular game out, so I'm not interested in the DAC stack. Like that rhyme there. There you go. The Dak stack. Um, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, they're right in that same price range as Austin Eckler, which I mentioned is kind of like this gray zone this week because you either want to go all the way up and get a Henry or you want to spend down at running back. But maybe you get these guys at lower ownership as a result of that. I will point out that if Shepard and uh, Darius Slayton do not play in this game, then I do like Darius Tony at 4K. He's coming off a game with uh, nine targets. Last week, I think Evan Engram as a uh, punt tight end um, at 3,200 makes sense as well. Mike, are you more optimistic about this game? Not really. Um, You know, we've mentioned the guys that I think are viable, and there are four players that I could see making their way into a cash game, depending on, again, how the running back value shakes out and what your individual build looks like. Those four players are going to be Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I think either any of those four, are fine as one-off pieces to complete a lineup. They're all in a decent game environment. The price points aren't really that prohibitive. Uh, I'm not super interested in stacking the game up here. Things could change. You mentioned Amari Cooper. Uh, We know he had that hamstring injury, came back in the game, caught a touchdown, has still been on the injury report. There's a chance that he ends up not playing. I think it's relatively low. Um, There's also a chance he aggravates that hamstring in the game. So I think that if you want to look to C.D. Lamb, I think that that's okay. Um, but as of right now, I don't have any Dak stacks, as Sia likes to say here. It's, I, it's a fun thing to say, the Dak stack. I do not have the Dak stack this week uh, as of now, but I could see myself playing Dalton Schultz. I could see Evan Ingram on the other side. Daniel Jones is super interesting. The problem for me with Daniel Jones is I actually view Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence both as very similar options, frankly, with more upside, uh, especially as Trevor Lawrence looks to run more and those con- those targets are just concentrated. I think quarterbacks can kind of actually get into a rhythm and rack up fantasy points when they're trailing and concentrating in certain spots. So I really think I'm out uh, on both of the quarterbacks for sure. All right. I will point out the uh, Cowboys defense has played very well this year. They are 2,800, and I believe they have exactly two interceptions in every game this year. Uh, yeah, and... Um, Look, Daniel Jones is uh, no stranger to turning the ball over, so he's played well, but uh, I do like the Cowboys' defense quite a bit at 2,800. Last but not least, we have the 49ers at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are five-and-a-half-point favorites with a 50-point total here. Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle both did not practice on Thursday. Elijah Mitchell was limited for the Cardinals. Chase Edmonds did not practice on Wednesday, did not see a practice report yet on Thursday, but obviously something to monitor uh, because Chase Edmonds has been a huge part of their offense to this point. All eyes are on Trey Lance. He is 5,700, 20.38 DraftKings points last week in one half of action, and he has the weapons. Uh, Obviously, George Kittle playing would help him, but Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, a high game total should be chasing points here. See, is Trey Lance the slam dunk that everyone's making him out to be? 
I wouldn't go that far because I think the Arizona D-line could give him some problems. And let's remember, he had a great stat line, but, you know, he had a long touchdown to Debo where they just forgot to cover Debo, if we're being honest. So, like, I'm not saying you should take that out of his stats, but I think you should kind of measure what probably should have happened against what actually did happen. So that stat line is a little inflated. Trey Lance is not ready to be a starting NFL quarterback. That doesn't mean he can't be a good fantasy option. So that's it sounds like I'm saying don't play him, but but I do like him. I just don't think he's a slam dunk. I don't think he's like a lock button guy in all your cash games or in your GPP lineups. But I do like Trey Lance with Debo Samuel. I mean, I, listen, if I'm, you know, we run a few cash games or cash lines each week and we, we review them on Tuesday. If I'm running three or four, one of them is definitely having Trey Lance to Debo Samuel because the savings are just incredible. What I'm really interested in, though, is the other side of the stack because I think if Trey Lance is named the starter, whatever shares people have of Kyler right now, I think they'll go down a little bit. It looks like he's around 7% right now. I think that'll actually fall if Trey Lance is named the starter because people don't know who to stack Kyler with, but they do know who to stack Trey Lance with, which of course is Debo Samuel, especially with an ailing George Kittle. So I'm really interested in a big GPP in like Kyler Murray with, it's not going to be D-Hop. It's probably not going to be A.J. Green, but it might be A.J. or Christian Kirk. And then you bring it back with Debo. I, I just think that might end up being a contrarian stack. Um, I might play Kyler Murray naked even in GPPs as well. But to answer your question, I do like Trey Lance. I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as people think, only because I think people think Trey Lance is a little bit more ready than he actually is. And they're looking at last week's stat line in one half. And I think that's a little misleading. All right. Well, I'll pose the same question to you, Mike. I I guess it's a little hypocritical of me because for Justin Fields' first start when he was starting against Cleveland, it's obviously a tougher spot, but I didn't even consider him for cash games. And now I have Trey Lance in my cash game lineup. So uh, is that hypocritical of me? And on the other side, Kyler Murray, 8K projecting for under 10% ownership, he's 7%. You know what his upside is? It's enticing. It is enticing. So what do we think about the quarterbacks here, Mike? It's definitely enticing. Uh, I, I like Trey Lance a lot. I don't think it's hypocritical. I think it's very different situation than Justin Fields. Uh, the, I think, frankly, the, the team is better in San Francisco. He's got better pieces around him. He's got a better coaching staff. The matchup, while we think the Cardinals are very good still, is still a much better matchup for him than the situation that Justin Fields was thrown into. So uh, in my cash games, I have Trey Lance right now uh, stacked with Debo Samuel have Max Williams as my tight end as the bringback. Um, I like Max Williams. I think he's going to continue to be heavily involved with this Arizona Cardinals team. So I, that's the way I would go there. Uh, like Sia said, if you want to play Kyler Murray, I don't think you have to stack him up. Uh, I would honestly, like if you're wanting to play Kyler Murray, I would view in terms of like correlations and stacking Debo Samuel essentially as the stack. View Debo, Debo Samuel as one of Kyler's receivers if you want to play them because I think that play is going to be almost the same correlation to one of his receivers. Now that might sound a little silly because obviously his receivers have way higher correlation, but figuring out which one and the price points, when you factor in the price point and the opportunity for Debo, I think that that's very similar. So don't feel like you have to jam in um, a handcuff there. If I did, I just told you my number one would probably be Max Williams just because I'll play that that lottery on the value tight ends this week because there's no clear cut top play at the position. So for me, it'd be Max Williams, but I I'm, can't say I'm all in on Trey Lance, but my my primary cash game team for sure is going to be a Trey Lance to Debo Samuel. 
And Kyler Murray, again, uh, we've mentioned this the past couple of weeks, but the target share is all over the place, the way that he is distributing targets. And it's frustrating for us from a fantasy perspective, but I will always use this example. Matthew Stafford was his best in Detroit once Calvin Johnson was gone because he didn't have to just zone in on one target. He would spread the ball around, take what defenses are giving to him. And Kyler Murray is doing exactly that right now. So as a result, he has six different pass catchers between a 12 and 19% target share this season. It makes it pretty tough to figure out when trying to stack him in DFS. The week five cheat sheet, let's wrap up with this. Our favorite value, chalk, contrarian plays, plus our favorite stack. And Sia, we will start with you. So value play, we've talked about him a lot. Jalen Waddle. Uh, I don't need to go into depth here, but I do think in a negative game script, he is going to be the target monster among others like Mike Gusecki and maybe Devontae Parker. But Waddle can definitely get loose. Remember, that that secondary has nobody. Their starters are gone. Their starting cornerbacks are gone. It's Richard Sherman and Dee Delaney, I believe. Imagine Richard Sherman trying to guard, trying to cover Jalen Waddle. Like, good luck, buddy. Uh, chalk play, DJ Moore. Uh, enough said. DJ Moore's my chalk play. Contrarian, um, based on ownership percentage, this guy's around 2-3%. I like Devontae Smith. I think his ownership total is low because people aren't looking at that game as much as they would normally because of the total. Uh, I think Devontae Smith has tremendous upside in that game. My stack, you know, I, I wonder, we've talked about so many good stacks here, but Right now, it's Brady to Godwin. Uh, you know, Brady to Godwin, I, I could maybe make an argument for Brady to to uh, Antonio Brown, but I think Godwin's going to be in the better situation coming out of the slot a little bit more, not having to face as much of, the, of those uh, corners that are actually pretty good for Miami. So Brady to Godwin is the stack. All right, Mike, you're up. Value, chalk, contrarian, and your favorite stack. Value play, LaVisca Chenault. Uh, just very encouraged by the workload, the usage, um, and what the game script is likely to look like here. Uh, so I, I really like what he and Trevor Lawrence have going on. So I think at 4,800, as of right now, that's going to be a nice uh, nice spot. I think a lot of people are going to look to T. Higgins when he is active. Uh, and I think this is a really good pivot away from T. Higgins. So give me LaVisca value. Chalk play, Devontae Adams, not getting cute there. He's the top projected player on the slate for me especially on the PPR site. Massive, massive spot for him. Contrarian play, just mention him. Max Williams, uh, going to be playing along with my stack, which is Lance to Samuel. I hope I get some tweets saying asking me how long it took me to come up with that one. Uh, it took about a half a second. But <laughs> I do like Max Williams as my contrarian play, bringing it back in there. Uh, don't overthink that one this week. All right, for me, value play. This is dependent on whether or not Curtis Samuel is active for this week. But Ricky Seals-Jones, if you are looking for a cheap punt play at tight end, he is 2,500, played 93% of the snaps last week for the Washington football team. Chalk play for me, could have been Derrick Henry, but I'll go with Leonard Fournette. I'll go with the cheaper option here. I have both of them in the cash game lineup as of now. Fournette, 5,200, coming off a game where he had 23 touches. Interested to see if Giovanni Bernard is active this week as well. He was not active last week, so that definitely helped Fournette, but the Dolphins are getting gashed by the run right now, and I think Fournette is in a good spot this week. Contrarian play, Nick Chubb. He is projecting for under 5% ownership this week. The Chargers are daring teams to run the football against them. They are allowing over five yards per carry to opposing running backs this season. It seems like this game is set up pretty well for Nick Chubb. And then the stack for me, Trevor Lawrence, two. LaVisca Chenault. If you want to throw Marvin Jones in there as well, you want to throw James Robinson, you want to throw a, a four by one, bring back Derrick Henry on the other side. I have no problem with it. Uh, and using the Jaguars side of the stack allows you to get up at other positions considering how cheap they are this week. 
and that'll do it. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today at DFS. The next time you hear us will be on Tuesday when we are recapping week five. Please, I need a winner, man. I need a winner this week. Uh, so we will do that on Tuesday. See you then.